Hallelujah. How's everybody doing this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. My uh, father-in-law is very sick, um, and so my wife and kids went to be with him uh, today. He lives on top of Saudi Daisy Mountain, and um, he's not doing well at all. So just um, pray for him. He went to the hospital this week, and I don't think they could really do much for him. They sent him home, and so he's not really eating or drinking or anything, and so so just uh, pray for us and pray for him. His name is Kenny. He's a he's a good man. He's worked at Lazy Boy since 1978. He said he's going to retire since <laughs> since I met my wife, I think, so <laughs> he's actually still working. Um, so anyway, we pray for him. You know, I was listening this morning um, on SBN and uh, just driving here, and you know, uh, Brother Swagger, and they were talking and things. They said something very profound, Brother Swagger said, you know, uh, most people go to church for the wrong reason, amen? Most people go to church for the wrong reason. They go because that's where their family goes, amen? That's the name on the church, amen? It's down the street, amen? It's uh, They <laughs> like their softball team, <laughs> they like their pizza parties or their groups or their um, whatever kind of parties they have or cell groups or whatever. Um, but that's a very dangerous thing. And they were talking about that this morning, amen. And, um, and uh, David Watts and all of them were talking about it. But you need to be very careful about where you go to church, amen. If it's Baptist church or Methodist church or wherever, you need to be very, very careful. It's a dangerous thing to um, risk your eternal soul, your eternal salvation on where you go to church, amen? You can't go because that's where your family goes or because you're Baptist. <laughs> One Baptist preacher said, I was born a Baptist. I'm a Baptist. When I'm dead, I'll be a dead Baptist. <laughs> and, uh, but that's a very dangerous thing, or whether it's Pentecostal or whatever. You need to be very careful. In this church here, we preach the truth. Amen. Don't have a lot of parties. It don't matter how many people go to that church. A lot of people just go. You know, that happens over in uh, Ray County a lot. They just go because it's the popular place. <laughs> and the preacher's good looking and he's young and he's got a pretty wife and they <laughs> kids all play sports. And, and that's where everybody goes, right? It's a very dangerous thing. You need to go where the Holy Spirit leads you. You need to go where people are truly saved. You need to go where the baptism of the Holy Spirit is preached. You need to go where the church that's going to lead you on the straight path, <laughs> that's going to send you one day, that's going to send you up to heaven. Amen. It's a dangerous thing. And how many people, think about this, are in hell today that went to church all their life or most of their life or part of their life or whatever because that's where their daddy went or that's where their granddaddy went or that's where their friends went and they led them down a path and never talked about sin, never talked about salvation, never talked about hell. It was just you know, tiptoeing through the tulips and that was the popular church to be at and they're in hell today and that's a very sobering sad thought 
So be thankful this morning, amen, that you go to a good church, <laughs> whether this place is packed or not, or whether we've got the most beautiful building, and we have a beautiful building, but whether we've got the most beautiful building or not, or whatever the name is on the church, or wherever it is, amen, you go to a good church, and that's the most important thing. So anybody out there listening, where do you go to church, amen? Why do you go to church, and where do you go to church this morning? It can lead to your eternal soul being saved or damned forever amen it's a sobering thought amen let's pray dear heavenly father god we come to you this sunday morning god from family worship center god i'd I'd pray god for my father-in-law kenny smith god please heal him god please touch his body please raise him up from the dead lord god please give him new life lord jesus please touch him please heal him god we thank you for this service lord god we thank you for every soul that's here god everyone that's listening god you are our father god the bible says you sent not your son to condemn the world but that through him the world might be saved lord jesus that's why you came not to condemn us but to save us god for whoever receives that free gift of salvation lord god we pray that someone will get saved this morning lord god someone will get filled with the holy spirit this morning lord god someone will be healed this morning lord god miracles will take place this morning lord god people will be delivered from sin and bondage in your name i pray amen Try to take your life, but 
Jesus Christ with the disciples on that day. Who am I to old men say? Some say you're trying on the prophets of old. Simon Peter had to stand up hold. Now with the Christ, the Son of God, all power in heaven and earth abroad. He's coming back in glory divine. Riding on a cloud and a space will shine. Oh, come see a man. Then Jesus Christ will come see a man. This man named Jesus. This man named Jesus. Come see a man. Both Lord and Christ. Some say you're trying all the prophets of old. Simon and Peter had to stand up hold. Down with the Christ, the Son of God, all power in heaven and earth abroad. He's coming back in glory divine. Riding on a cloud and his face will shine. Oh, come see a man. Oh, name Jesus Christ. Well, come see a man. This man named Jesus, oh, come see a man, both Lord and Christ. He turned the water into wine, gave his sight back to the blind. He's the water and the bread, has the power to raise the dead. Oh, come see a man named Jesus Christ. Now I'm taking back. Everything that the devil stole from me, yes, I'm taking back. Everything that the devil stole from me, giving back my soul, my dance, my joy, and all my peace. Well, I'm taking back well, everything that the devil stole from me. Well, one day old King David came home to a city called Zealand. And while he was gone, the enemy came and stole everything he had. But David encouraged himself in the Lord, made up in his mind. Said, I'm on my way down to your camp and I'm taking what's rightfully mine. Devil, I'm taking back everything that the devil stole from me. I'm taking back everything. The devil stole from me, giving back my song, my dance, my joy, and all my peace. And I'm taking back everything that the devil stole from me. Now we all know that Satan only comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And I must admit that there have been times he's taken away my joy. But I'm serving notice on the table today. Your kingdom is under attack. Cause I'm on my way down to your camp and I'll take my property back. Devil, I'm taking back everything that the devil stole from me. I'm taking back everything that the devil stole from me. Give me back my soul, 
You know, and David messed up more than once. David got people into trouble more than once, himself and others. And not one time did God ever say, okay, that's the last time that's going to happen. I'm kicking you out, and you're done, and you've messed other people's lives up. You've been a bad witness, and you've just done it too many times, so I'm just going to have to kick you out. Your position is gone. You can't be king anymore. You can't preach anymore. You can't do this anymore. But the Bible said that David, when he come to his senses and realized what he had done, he went to the Lord and he began to repent. That's the only thing God requires. No matter what you think about somebody, if a person repents, how will you know? You'll see it. There'll be a change. You'll know the Lord's working in them. And he encouraged himself in the Lord. And he, he looks around. He sees all this mess he's caused, families destroyed, people lost their homes, their families, their children, their livestock. Everything was burnt to the ground because David got out of God's will. Mm. Have you ever had anything burnt to the ground in your life? Because you got out of God's will. But David went to the Lord, and that's what we're supposed to do. He didn't go to men, thank God. He went to the Lord. He, wouldn't, he didn't go to the church. He went to the Lord. And the Lord, he said, Lord, I know I've made a mess. He encouraged himself. And Lord, what do I do? Do I go after these people? Now he's trying to find out, is this what you want me to do? See, that's what the lesson God's trying to teach us. And the Lord said, pursue. You will, without fail, you will overtake them and you will recover everything. Because, see, your heart's right now and you want to know what I want you to do. Go after them. And don't, don't spare anybody. You go after them and you watch what I will do through you. And they recovered everything they lost. You may tell you something today. If you've lost anything, just come back to Jesus. Repent of going astray. Repent of going the wrong direction. Ask him to forgive you. Pick up. Say, Lord, help me to go forward. What do you want me to do now? And God will never say, get in the back of the line. He will never say, you've done it too many times. Get, you can't go back there. He'll say, get up and go forward. Amen. I'm glad God is God. I'm glad I love how God works because he works totally contrary to the way most human beings operate. Amen. Many times men will tell you, sit down and shut up. God will say, get up and go forward. Whose voice are you listening to this morning? Listen to the Lord. We all have failures at times, even personal ones, when nobody else is around, nobody sees it, but you know it, God knows it. So how do you get through it? You go to the Lord. You ask for forgiveness, and you understand he forgives you. You go by what his word says, not by what people think about you. You understand who you are in Christ, and your failures are under the blood. So you have to see that, understand that, and get over what people think, and go by what God's word says. And, man, you'll get a whole lot further in the kingdom. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to see everybody this morning. Glad you came to have church. You ready for some nice weather, warm weather, changing weather? I am. It was a nice day yesterday. Going to be nice today. Hopefully no more snow will come. We rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Lisa said, I pray every day. It don't ever show up again. <laughs> I'm agreeing with her now. 
I'm over it after a day or two. That was just too much. So anyways, we're good. glad to be here this morning. Miss Mildred and I are in the same mind this morning. She walked through the door and said, great minds think alike, don't they? This one don't. Yours is a lot greater than mine, I guarantee you that. Praise the Lord. Well, so we're going to take up the offering this morning. And just remember that no matter what you've done, how many times you fail, get up in Jesus' name and go forth. Take back what Satan has stolen from you. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life, the Holy Ghost is the one that can make the change. In Christ Jesus has made me free. There's what you need. From the law of sin and death, and he wants to do it. So, Lord, we pray you touch people this morning in this building. Touch people, Lord, through the Internet, God. We ask that you would restore people, that you would bring people back to the right path, Lord, that you would move upon them. And, Lord, help us to take back everything that that enemy has tried to steal from us. Lord, the joy, the peace, the victory over sin. The things that Satan are, are the peace of God that passes all understanding. The things that Satan has robbed from your people, Lord, help them this morning in the name of Jesus to take it back. And Lord, we pray for your blessings this morning upon this service. We pray for healing in the sick bodies, Lord, those who need a miracle. God, you perform the miracle that they need this morning. Lord, we pray that you bless those who give this morning as they give from a, a, a cheerful heart, as your word says, that you would bless them, meet their needs, supply everything they need in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you this morning for what you're doing and what you're going to do. Bless the service in Jesus' name. If you need prayer this morning, feel free to come and spend a few minutes at the altar if you want to. We're not in a hurry, so you don't have to rush.
first song said there were so many times when I didn't do right and I'm not talking about the times before salvation I'm talking about after we were saved that I didn't do right I missed the mark I messed up but you watched over me both day and night ain't you glad that the Lord watches over us in ignorance. Aren't you glad the Lord sees what you don't see? Aren't you glad that he shows you mercy when you do that which is wrong and sometimes you don't understand really what you did, but he'll bring it to you and you realize, oh, I messed up. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. And God says, that's all right. I got it covered. My mercy is there for you. Come on, somebody remembers some of the times you messed up since you've been saved. I mean, talking about all the pile of stuff before, I'm talking about after the things we did. Don't you look at me like no angel. The things we did after you got saved, when you missed the mark after you got saved. When you cuss somebody out after you got saved. Come on, when you drank a little bit of alcohol after you got saved. Mmm. And God's mercy looks over ignorance. No, he don't condone sin. But if that person's heart is right and they love the Lord, even through the ignorance and stupidity and things we do wrong, God still shows us mercy. He still stands waiting to give you mercy. The song said, I could have fallen. My soul cast way down. But mercy rewrote my life. Praise the Lord. I'm glad for mercy this morning. Amen. We want you to go with me to the book of James this morning. James chapter 4. I feel like the Lord has given me something here this morning that will be a blessing to everybody and those of you watching through the Internet. I also feel that specifically for many of you or some of you watching that the Lord wants to speak to you concerning some things and some areas of your life and some direction that he wants to give to you. And so don't turn this off this morning. Listen to what the Lord has to say through his word this morning. If you follow God's word and follow God's voice, you will be blessed. I said you follow his word and you follow his voice, you will be blessed. Praise the Lord. James chapter 4 And I want to start reading at verse 13. The Bible says, Go to now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Notice what the focus is on. Getting gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. 
But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Now, I'm going to read this last verse. And how many times have we heard this last verse? Many times. But I hope that this verse this morning, when I get finished, makes a whole lot more sense to you than in the times you've heard it before. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. And I want to minister this morning on the subject, finding the Lord's will. Finding the Lord's, not yours, the Lord's will for your life. God has a will. He has a purpose for everybody sitting in this building, people watching through that internet. Everybody's is not the same. Everybody's not going to do the same thing. Have the same occupation. That's not what, what's important. What's important is that you find out what God wants for your life, for your family, for your church, for your ministry, and you follow what He directs you to do. And finding it isn't always easy, but I'm going to say this. If you are somebody, listen, who really wants God's will, God will show you what He has for you. Now, if you're somebody that's just halfway in, well, I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'll just include God in my plans. You, my friend, are going to set yourself up for a fall. You're setting yourself up for misery. Because to not be in God's will is to be following your own. To not be in God's will is to be following your own plans. And if we're going to follow the Lord, all He wants us to do is obey His voice because He has a direction for us. He knows where He wants us to be, as Adam said this morning, about the church you're in, the job you occupy, the family you have, the person you marry. He wants you to follow Him, to seek Him, to find out what He wants and not what everybody else wants. And to do that, you'll have to push aside what everybody else thinks. You have to push aside what some of your family think and follow what the Lord says He wants for your life. Finding God's will. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You this morning. We ask you in the name of Jesus that you would help us this morning, God, that you would reveal your will. Lord, I pray if there are people watching this morning that are, they don't understand, they don't know what to do, but they're wanting to know that you would make it plain to them today. Make it real to them. Maybe they've been praying and they've been asking you, Lord, do you want me to do this? And today you're going to give them the confirmation. Maybe they prayed, Lord, do you not want me to do this? Give them the confirmation that they are seeking, Lord, for your direction for their life, God. We ask you in Jesus' name to have your way this morning. We pray that you move every attack every hindrance, every evil spirit, every everything that would try to hinder your people from receiving the word of God so that people can come into the fullness of the knowledge of your will and your will alone. Lord, we thank you today that you're in charge, you're in control of everything going on, even in this world. You're still in charge and we believe it. 
We trust you no matter what the news says, no matter what the government says. Lord, we look to you today. And Lord, we ask you to help us to find your will in the midst of chaos, to find your will and to follow it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to read some background information about the book of James. The author of the letter of James was most likely James, the brother of Jesus. He was a leading man in the Jerusalem church and was highly respected by the Jews. It seems that the letter of James was one of the earliest New Testament letters. It was written to Jewish Christians who had long been accustomed to the public worship of God in the synagogue who took their moral standards from the law of Moses. These things were in some ways a help to Jewish Christians, but in other ways they were a hindrance. Some, some of the Christians held firmly to the law that they had always followed, but they became so coldly legalistic that their Christianity lacked life and enthusiasm. Others erred in the opposite direction. They reacted against the restrictions they had once experienced under the law and joined so freely in the common practices of the society around them that their behavior became unchristian. James dealt with these problems by giving instruction on the nature of Christian faith. Faith is more than an intellectual belief and more than obedience to a set of rules. It is something that is living and active and it expresses itself in the right behavior. It does not give a person freedom to do as he likes, but leads a person to have a greater love for God and a greater love for his fellows. It enables the Christian whether he be Jew or Gentile, to live positively and joyfully for God in an ungodly society without accepting the ungodly standards of that society. James realizes that Christians face many trials and testings in life. So he begins his letter by encouraging them to meet their trials and testings in the right attitude. I'm going to stop there for a minute. Some Christians need to learn to stop coming to church complaining and murmuring about what's going on in their life, on their job, in their family. Come on now. Your attitude, how you have, if you are a person who complains, continually complains, every time something negative happens to you, you're not getting what God is trying to teach you. Mm. You're not passing the test. Your attitude has to be one of, okay, Lord, I see this thing going on in my life, so I'm going to see this as a test. I'm going to see this as something you're using to work in me, God, to give me a greater victory, to help me to maintain a good attitude because a rotten attitude from a Christian is awful. Attitude, your attitude says something about you. How you handle your problems. What your language is. What your reaction is. When you come to church, what is your attitude? Are you angry? Are you mad at people? Your attitude. Attitude will tell on you. Attitude matters. 
So we want to understand that when we face things, that the, the attitude has got to be right. We got to understand that the test, whatever it is that's coming our way, we are face it with the good attitude we learn. Instead of, there's too much complaining going on in the world now, and there's too much complaining going on in the church. There's too many complaining Christians. Complain about this. Complain about that. Some of them, you don't want to ask, how are you doing today? Because you ain't going to hear, praise the Lord, I'm, I'm in love with Jesus. You ain't going to hear, God is in control. You ain't going to hear, I know God's going to work situations out in my life, but you'll hear everything else. <laughs> the attitude matters. So we're to face the trials and testings in the right attitude. If they do, they will grow in their Christian lives. I already just said this pretty much. If you embrace the test and the attitude be right, you will grow closer to the Lord. You will be able, look, when the next trial comes, you won't, you'll be able to get through it easier. You'll be able to recognize that, hey, God is doing this. God sees fit. God is honored to test me, put me to the test, just like he did Job to show the devil and everybody around that I ain't no flim-flam. I ain't no yesterday Christian. I've been walking with Jesus for a long time, and somebody's going to know that I ain't like everybody else. I ain't going to complain every time gas goes up. I ain't going to get mad every time the boss says something negative to me. Come on, somebody. Well, I don't see how that's a test. <laughs> oh, God uses things you would never believe as a test. Just everyday stuff. Driving in a lot of traffic. With people riding your rear end. With people in front of you doing 20 and a 50. And God uses that stuff. To see how you react. How do you react? Because you're supposed to react. Well, we all, we get flesh sometimes. We get in the flesh sometimes. I, I just come through that light down yesterday on 305 that, where you pass the library and go all the way to the end at the red light there. You're under the red light. Well, if you don't catch that light at the right time and people, when that light turns green, I don't know what they're thinking. They just sit there. They just slowly go through it. And I'm like, if you don't, people don't get through this light, it's going to hold up another big long line. I'm like, would y'all please come on and go? But how I react and my attitude, my spirit is what matters. And God uses these things, just everyday stuff, to test us, to get us to a place where He can work more patience in us, character. <laughs> and if you think that you got beyond that point, you're fooling yourself. This growth depends upon their being obedient to God's Word. Low standards of behavior may be acceptable in society at large. But Christians must not allow such standards to influence their behavior. 
You can't follow the world. The world is not your pattern. The word is your pattern. And the word says that we are to be conformed into the image of Christ. The word says in Romans chapter 12 that we are not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We're being changed. So we don't follow the world. They must not, for example, favor the wealthy or ignore the poor, but love all people regardless of the class as God does. If they say they have faith, they must give proof of it by the way they live. Not how you, not what you say in church, how you live outside the doors. If you say you have faith, if you say I'm a Christian, if you say I go to family worship sin, if you say I'm whatever, and out there your behavior changes, <laughs> you got to look at what you're believing. If they say they have faith, they must give proof of it by the way they live. They are not, they are to control their tongues. <laughs> We don't, we do, but we don't. Because James made it clear that no man can tame the tongue. And I think everybody in this building will agree on that one. You couldn't tame it before you got saved, and you can't tame it after you saved. But there's somebody that lives inside of you that's great enough to help you that when you're about to spit out something, you shouldn't zip it up. There's a greater called the Holy Ghost. And He can tame the tongue. But see, the reason the things come out of the mouth is because there's something in here that ain't been changed. That's why you got some Christians still talking the same old garbage, the same old language. Because the change has to start in here. And when it starts in here, boy, it starts moving to the outside. And then when you want to raise your voice or cuss somebody out or say something you know you ought not to say, the Holy Ghost will say, mm-mm. Let me restrain that. Let me help you not to say that. I'd rather go God's way. I'd just rather not say it or not do it with God's help than go being stupid and foolish and just saying and doing stuff that I shouldn't be doing and then have to pay the consequences. That's the whole purpose for the cross, to deal with sin, to change our lives, to get us closer to God so that we continue to be changed, that we become more godly, that we learn how to walk closer to God, that we learn how to zip our lip, that we learn how to quit saying things we shouldn't say. That's the purpose of the cross. If they say they have faith, they give proof of it by the way they live. They're to control their tongues and are not to be guilty of unspiritual or selfish behavior. The attitude that produces such unchristian-like behavior is what James calls worldliness. Unchristian-like behavior. Worldliness. You know... He said a lot of things in the, this book that he wrote. In chapter 4, the, the heading of chapter 4 really is, the subject is worldliness. 
You know what? Can you believe what was going on in the church of Jerusalem? Can you believe that Jewish Christians that had come to Jesus Christ and let Him change their heart and life, even though they knew the law, they'd been raised in Judaism, many of them, but they heard the gospel, gave their lives to Jesus, and all of a sudden, the whole world begins to be changed. They have to be careful not to start acting like the world. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, he said, you know what you guys are doing? You're fighting. You're warring. You have not because you ask not. And then the things you ask for, you don't have because you ask for the wrong reasons. You look at brother so-and-so over there driving a nice new car, getting, making a good, good lick every week and got a nice family, got a nice this, and you look at him and you want what he has, but you don't want to go God's way. Mm. Oh, you want what somebody else has, but you don't want to lay down self. <laughs> you don't want to go the way that that person has had to go to get what they have. By the way of the cross, <laughs> where self dies. And then God begins to bless the individual. Everybody don't have what God wants. Many people have what they see somebody else has. That's how they're judging by what somebody else has or don't have. And so now they're following people. And then before you know it, you get your eyes off of Jesus, and here you go sitting in church angry at your brother, fighting, mad, stirred up. You have not because you ask not, he said. But it was worldliness. It causes Christians to live like the ordinary people of the world whose chief concern is for their own advancement regardless of God's will and God's values. And that's where we're at this morning in the text that I read. Christians that are not seeking God's will They're only seeking for self-advancement. They're only seeking for self-promotion. And before you know it, here we go, chasing after the things just like the world is, out of control, gotta have this, gotta have that, I'm gonna move here, and I'm gonna go to this college, and I'm gonna make a lot of money, and I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna do that, but you never went to the Lord. You never stopped to ask God what He thought about it. You never went to get on your knees, say, Lord, what do you want for my life? Lord, what is your direction? What What is your purpose? What is your calling? Listen, I'm going to say this this morning so everybody here gets this. This is for every one of us, but everybody in this church ain't going to stand behind a pulpit and preach. You ain't called to be an evangelist. You ain't called to be a prophet, but you're called to be a child of God, and you're called to follow Jesus just as much as Thomas Climber, Melissa Climber, Adam Hennessy, Grace Yeah, you are just as much a Christian and you're supposed to be on your knees, not me doing it for you, asking God, what do you want 
Not letting us do it for you. I ain't doing it for you. I ain't doing all your praying for your life. You need to do it. Because when we follow God's will, all of us learn how to follow it. We prosper. We mess up less. I said we mess up less when we follow God's will and get in it and stay in it. But we got Christians. They don't have their eyes on Jesus. They got their eyes on the world. They got their eyes on a man. They got their eyes on money. They got their eyes on school, on a job, on this, on that, a husband, a wife. Family, children, got their mind on everything but finding God's will. I'm going to tell you this morning, as a Christian, you, this is the most important thing in your life other than knowing Jesus. you got to make sure that you find God's will for your life. You can't make your own plans because if you do, they're going to come, they're going to be knocked to the ground. And you'll find yourself fighting against God, trying to do your own thing. God's will for what church you're in, what he said this morning, God has a will. And if you ain't in the church God wants you in, you'll suffer. Or if you're in a church God never puts you in, you'll still suffer. Well, you sound hard about it, I know. Because we need Christians to start finding out what God wants and not what the world says. Seeking to get closer to the Lord. He said in verse 13, go to now. That, that word go to now, I thought, what does that mean? I never really, I don't know if I ever searched that to find out, but I looked it up and what does it mean? It means this, it means Come now. It means impulsion to or compel somebody. Hey, listen to what's being said. C- come now. Those of you, come here, come here this morning. Listen to the preacher this morning. Those of you through the camera, come here. Let me, let me compel you to listen to what God has to say to you. Come here. Come now, those of you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a city and continue there. We ain't going to just go. We're going to stay a year. Boy, we got it all planned out. We're going to a city. I'm going where the economy is better. I'm going... Well, the Republicans rule, and you probably you probably be wise to do that, but you better find out what God's will is. You better find out what God's will is. We're going to such and such a city and continue there, and we're going to buy and sell and get gain. Hey, it's all about gain. Hmm. Money, money, money. Me, me, me. Stuff, stuff, stuff. <laughs> Come on, y'all. 
I'm going to do this. And I, you don't realize you're letting your flesh get in the way and you ain't listening or praying, asking God, God, is this what you want for my life? And let me tell you something. It's okay to say this. I wrote it down this morning. I'm going to say it now. It's okay to say, Lord, if you don't want me doing this, if you don't want me going in this direction, making these plans, show me. I don't know how many times I prayed that. Come on, y'all. You here this morning? But the reason we don't is because we really want to do what we want to do. Flesh. Me. You're being ruled by self. And again, the whole purpose of the message of the cross is to eliminate self. So that we cannot find everybody else's will, but God's will. It's okay to pray, Lord. If not, then let it not happen. Shut the door. Or, on the other side, open the door. Lord, if you do, if you want me, open the door. Hello? Do you ever pray that? Do, I mean, give me, uh, give me confirmation, Lord. Either way, God, give me confirmation. Show me what you want me to do. And until he does, just don't do nothing. Just hold on, chill out. Just wait, because he'll make it plain to you. And when you get to praying for his will, sometimes he'll show you quickly. Okay, no, I don't want you doing that. I don't want you going here, going there. I don't want you getting involved with this person. I don't want you taking that job. I don't want you. That's not my will for you. So we're required to seek the Lord. Find out what what do, what do you want? Instead of just jumping and doing things. We've all done it. But we're supposed to learn from these mistakes. So what are, what, what are they doing? They're making, these, these type of people, they're making their own plans. Remember, they, they, they've, come out of, they, they've come from the law to Jesus Christ. Some of them were really still legalistic. And so they feel like they, they have to do certain things because grandma did it that way. It's the way grandpa, it's our tradition. What does God say? What does his word say? The Lord sometimes will tear your tradition down to the ground. They said, we're going to get gain. Gain. Life for the Christian is about gaining more of Jesus. Life for the Christian, Paul said, I've not apprehended that for which I've apprehended, that apprehended me, but this one thing I do, I forget those things that are behind, and I press forward toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, I want to focus on coming closer to Jesus. I need more of Him, and in order for that to happen, there's got to be less of my will. Come on, y'all. Got to be less of Thomas Clymer, less of you. It's got to be more of, Lord, what do you want from my life? What direction? What church? What, what ministry, if you have one? So we have to pray. 
as the what did Jesus say in the Lord's Prayer? Give us this day our daily bread. Thy will be done on earth right here as it is in heaven. God has a will in heaven already. Are we on earth lining up with what's in heaven? Not my will, your will be done. In Matthew chapter 6, maybe you can put it on the screen back there if you will. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 through 34. I'm going to read some of these verses I wrote down this morning to kind of put it into, all into context here if I can. Jesus telling his disciples said, Therefore, take no thought. You know what we do? We worry. I got to make my way. I got to pay my bills. I got to do this. And I got to do that. And I, I, I. <laughs> I got to make it happen. No, you don't. You need to let God make it happen. You do your part, God does his. You find God's will, God takes care of you. You take the job God wants you to have, God blesses you. And it ain't just about the money. It might be about some souls around you coming to know Jesus. It might be about you being a witness there. Maybe that's why the devil's fighting some of you so hard on your job. You ever stop to think about that? Maybe it's because your little light's been shining and people need to come to know the Lord and you got some miserable people that you're working around and that because they're miserable, they would love to try to make you miserable. So what you got to do is catch that devil and say, uh-uh, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke that Satan. God put me on this job and I'm going to stay right here. I ain't running. I'm going to let the Holy Ghost work in me so somebody can come to know the God that I know because people are miserable. They're getting drunk every night. They don't know what to do. So Lord, help me when I go to work on Monday morning when everybody else is fussing, everybody else is complaining. Help me not to walk through the door doing what they're doing but saying, Lord, give me some power. Lord, give me some light. Let this little light of mine, let it shine. What's your attitude on Monday morning? You got to be careful. They'll drag you into their garbage. And before you know it, here you go, acting like them. Sitting around complaining with the unbelievers. Helping them to sink lower. Complaining. Take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? How are we going to eat? How are we going to get something to drink? Where's our clothes coming from? Lord, you're telling us to go out into the world and preach the gospel. How are we going to make it? He said, listen, don't worry about it. You do what I tell you to do, and you watch what I do. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Next verse. He said, for after all these things, do what the Gentiles seek. There's the world, my food, my clothing, my children. My, and you're supposed to, you were supposed to be, you know, providing those things for our families. But you are not God and you don't set your direction. You don't know where it's coming from. The Lord is going to bring it in. It may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time, the song says. Your heavenly Father, He knows that you have need of these things. 
He knows it. He knows that we have need to pay our bills. He knows you got a family. He knows you got children. He knows you, you got whatever. He knows that. He don't want you to focus on that. He wants you to focus on Him. Next verse. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Here we go. Maybe we're getting our focus brought back this morning in line. Seek first. Seek. Look for it. Follow after it. Pray for it. The kingdom of God and His righteousness. There you go. See, you need to be concerned about right living. Mm. God's work, right living, and all these things shall be what? Added. Not subtracted, added unto you. The Lord knew that we were going to have these questions. He knew that when he was started telling people to leave family, leave friends, leave hometowns and go places, that people were going to think that they lost their minds or they nuts. Why would they be going there? Why would they move? I've, you've heard this story many times. My wife and I just celebrated 25 years. i never forget uh, 25 years of being saved, but I'll never forget when the, we knew for sure the Holy Spirit was saying, okay, it's time to leave Middle Tennessee. You're coming to East Tennessee, and you would have thought everybody's going to jump up and down and shout and say, praise the Lord. People thought, what in the world are you doing? Don't you know this is your hometown? This is where you were born and raised it. This is where all your family is. Oh, never mind following God's will. Just hang out with your family and let them stop you from following God's will. I'm glad today I didn't turn back and say, I just want to love my my family more than I'm going to love God. I'm glad today I said I hear the voice of Jesus. I'm glad to say today that I know God is leading me to a place that I don't know and I don't understand. And I ain't even going to give people time. I ain't giving the devil time to even talk me out of it. I'm going home and I'm packing a U-Haul and I'm getting every bit of our stuff and we leave and praise God and we going to the land where God said to go. And if we hadn't I wouldn't be here preaching to you this morning. There wouldn't be no family worship center. Miss Grace wouldn't be here. Adam wouldn't be here. Michaela, nobody would be here because we've been out of God's will. But because I said, Lord, is this what you want me to do? God, give me confirmation. And oh, did He give it. We didn't sit around and ask everybody what they thought. We made it. We we announced it. Eventually, we told them because I already knew in my spirit. I knew it. I knew. I remember saying something to Melissa. I know I did. My mama's going to think we're crazy. Our family's going to think. What are they going to think? Well, you know what they they ain't going to like this. But I didn't tell her immediately either. <laughs> didn't tell my family. But eventually we did, and we once might have been when we had the U-Haul loaded. Because at first, I mean, well, at first I, there was some. They were, I do believe they were happy. I, I believe it. But then I had another family, <laughs> somewhat, somewhat. Two other children, paying child support, bound to their mama who hated my guts, who you could not negotiate with, (laughs) 
who had evil intentions against me. But you know, God got me through that too. And here I said, Lord, I love my kids. Lord, I love these kids with all my heart. But Lord, I love you more. And you've just saved my soul. You've just changed my whole world, Lord. I'm not a drunk anymore. My wife ain't a crack addict anymore. Lord, you have changed my life. And Lord, I don't, all I want to do is follow you. I don't even care what everybody else thinks right now, Lord. I don't, I don't care about repercussions. I don't care if they all flip their lids. Lord, I just want to know, is this what you want me to do? And he made it plain. Boy, you going to East Tennessee. You getting out of Egypt. I'm taking you to a place you know not of. I'm going to do things in your life that's going to blow your mind. I'm going to change. You think that salvation has been something. You just watch what I'm going to do in the days ahead. You watch what I'm going to do when I call you to preach. You watch what I'm going to do when I establish a church through you and your wife. You watch what I'm going to do in Africa. You watch what I'm going to do in Asia. You watch what I'm going to do in Pakistan. You watch what I'm going to do in Mexico. You watch. I'm glad today I said bye-bye everybody. I'm following Jesus. And boy, you know what kind of faith it took to do that? And we had it too. Boy, that fresh, fresh fire faith, that fresh salvation faith, boy, you feel like you can fly on the clouds. Man, you feel like there ain't nothing that can knock you down. Is anybody here this morning? When you get saved and the power of God invades your life and the Lord wraps His arms around you and He cradles you and boy, you know for the first time you got some real protection. You got the Holy Ghost now. You ain't what you used to be and you can follow God and they, whether people say we like it or we don't like it, you say, Lord, I'm following you. We left, kind of like Abraham, not knowing where we were going in a way we did, but we didn't. We didn't know God's plan. God knew his plan. We just started following. And he'd say, do this, do this, do this, and we do it. That's how this church got here. Anybody watch Wednesday night? That's how this church got here. You're looking at a miracle church here this morning. You're sitting in a miracle. But had we said, mm, that night when I drove that racing truck for the last time, when the motor blew up on me, I knew it blew. And I held my foot to the floor to finish the last few laps because I said, I'm going to finish this race. Because I ain't somebody likes to start something and not finish. I'm going to finish this race. And I did. But when I got out of that racing truck, I was soaked with sweat I was discouraged. I was disappointed. I'd been saved three months maybe. But something inside of me said, this ain't where I want you. This is not what I want for you. And I walked to the back of that truck and I said, Lord, if this, if you don't want me in this, get me out. You know what God did? He got me out real quick. Had I said no, I can be a greater witness here at the racetrack. And maybe I could have. I'm going to follow my dream of racing. 
because I want to hit the big time. Who don't want to hit the big time in sports? Adam, I mean, if you're going to play, you want to do good, don't you? You ain't playing to lose. I mean, if you're going to race, honey, let's race. I mean, I ain't going to go out dilly-dally. Yeah, I'm just having fun. Uh-uh. I'm competitive. I want to race. And so because of that, I also know that even though I'm born again and I love Jesus, I'm still capable if somebody hits me the wrong way in my truck and runs me into the wall, I'm still capable of pulling these out. Or something else. And God says, you're leaving that scene. It's not that it was a sin. It wasn't his will. And I said, okay, Lord, I get it. And then it wasn't long after that we hear, we came to East Tennessee. And God began to use us, to use me to witness to people. Put us in a church where I began to preach within six months. I didn't know how to preach. I just did the best, tell people the best I could. I'd tell my testimony most of the time. It's all I knew to tell. And I found out that's about all you need to tell people. If you want to see people get saved and get right with God, tell them your testimony. Tell them about the power of Jesus Christ. Tell them what the blood has done for you. And we say, Lord, okay, what now? What do we do? Where do we go? How do we do it? And every step of the way, it's brought us to where we are today. And you know what I'm still doing today? Lord, what do you want? Where do you want us to go this year, Lord, to preach? Anywhere? Open the doors, Lord. If not, Lord, it's okay. Lord, what, Lord, what do you want for our church? What do you want for this, this building plan back here? When do you want this to take place? How are we going to do this? How are we going to go forward? Lord, what do you want us to do, Lord? What do you want us to do with the church? What do you want us to do here? Lord, how, this business that I started, God, how do you want me to do this? Lord, do, I, uh, you, do you, do you want me not in this? And I don't know how much confirmation I've had recently about that to say, no, boy, I got you there and you need to stay there because I'm going to bless you and I'm going to do some things. I've said, oh, over and over, Lord, if you don't want me in this because of my discouragement and sometimes feeling like a, a failure and not making the kind of money that you'd like to make, come on, somebody, in the beginning. But you see, I've learned something over the years. You don't ever get what you want in the beginning, but if you follow God's will and God's way, you will eventually begin to prosper and be blessed. Because it ain't about just making a bunch of money. I'd like that. Who wouldn't like to have some more money? You, you sit here and tell a life you said you didn't. I call you a liar. If I ask you, would you like to have more money? And you could, if you could have it, and God would bless you with it, and God see fit that you could handle it, who would like to have more money? Because it does help to make life easier some, don't it? But it doesn't bring peace and joy. It doesn't bring freedom from sin. It can't change the heart of man. There's where we got to separate things and understand. He said, you know, whereas you know not what shall be on tomorrow. What is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. A vapor. Compared to eternity, what is our life? I mean, we're looking for eternal rewards, eternal results. So what we do here and now will 
determine what those eternal rewards will be. And I don't just live for rewards. I don't look for rewards. I never get up in the morning saying, God, add another reward to me today and let me have another reward when I get to heaven. I don't even think like that. But what we do here on this earth will affect people in eternity. The direction we take, it's, it's like a vapor. It's here for a little time, then it vanishes away. He said, for you ought to say, here's what you ought to say. If the Lord will, we shall live and do this and that. If the Lord will, if this is what you want, Lord, this is what we're going to do. Because what it shows is that your allegiance is to God. You're, you're, you and you're answering to Him. You're trying to find out what you're talking, you mean somebody I can't see? Yeah, that's what real faith does. Because we can't see our God, but I tell you, I can feel Him. I can't see Him, but I can sure feel Him. I ain't never seen Jesus in the flesh, but boy, I've sure experienced the power of the blood. I ain't, I wasn't there when Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago, but 2,000 years later, the power is still changing this heart and changing this life. Praise God, it's real, it's real, it's just as real right now as it's ever been. That's faith, church. That's how you get saved, by faith. That's how you get sanctified, by faith. You don't see it, but you believe it. But too many people won't believe it because they don't see it. So many Christians, they can't find God's will because they're looking for the results immediately. Well, if I go there, what will happen with this? If I do this, well, what will happen with that? And we hinder ourselves from God's will because of the flesh, because of the intellect trying to figure things out that we can't figure out. That's not living by faith. That's living by your flesh. Hmm. You ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or do that. But now... You rejoice. Oh, not only are you making all your plans, but boy, you're rejoicing. Whoo, guess what I'm going to do? Guess what kind of job I'm going to take? Guess what career I'm going to get involved? Guess what college I'm going to? Guess what? I guess what? And you never involve the Lord. You never pray about it. You don't find out what God wants. And now here we are making our own plans and we're rejoicing in it. We're, boy, we're not, we're boasting in who we are and what we're going to do. <laughs> All such rejoicing is evil. Oh, Lord. You mean I've committed evil? Yeah. We've all done it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And we leave God out. And the Bible says that kind of thinking is evil. Why? Because it's the ways of the world. And I'm, I've set you free from the ways of the world. I don't want you to be like them. I want you to follow me, the Lord says. So for you to follow me means you'll have to ignore mama or daddy's voice. You'll have to ignore people in church. You'll have to ignore the voice of those who don't understand what I'm telling you. 
You have to ignore those who don't have faith. You have to ignore those who just come to church and sit on a pew from week to week, but there's no change in their life. You have to ignore them because they don't live by faith. Everybody that sits on a church pew don't have faith. They don't believe God for what He wants to do. They don't believe God for your vision. They don't believe God for us to go to Africa more. They don't believe God to see Him open doors in foreign countries for us to go to preach more. They don't see it. They don't care. They don't, they don't care if we go or don't go. No, some are just content. They don't need to go there. They got a grandson now. They need to revolve their life all around Him. No, we don't. I love Him with all my heart. God knows that. We love Him with all of our heart. But He can't get in the way of this. Jesus first. Family next. We all got to remember that. Hey, and we love our families. We love the babies. We love the children. But when it comes to God's will, who are you going to follow? There's souls to be saved. There's people to be reached. There's people on your job. That's why it might be important for some of you to hear this, that if you just walk off and you get mad and you quit your job because your boss says something you don't like, you just threw away some stuff. You just threw away opportunities to witness to more people. And your job, you don't get paid to witness to people. You get paid to do a job. So you're not supposed to be sitting around talking about God all day trying to get out of doing your work to get a paycheck. That's wrong. But God can give you an opportunity on that job. There's a thing called a lunch break. There's a thing called morning break. There's a thing called afternoon break. I don't know. I ain't worked for companies in years. But when I did, I remember about 9.45 in the morning. Break time, about 10 minutes to get off that tow motor and run upstairs and get a little something snack on. Then lunchtime roll around. Break time, about 30 minutes on that time. Then about three, uh, 2 or 3 o'clock, break time. And boy, you like the break times. But I didn't live for Jesus then, and I didn't talk about anything good with anybody. But you have an opportunity to witness to people. I don't know how many times I heard my mama tell about being at Bridgestone those 30-something years, the stories she would tell of the men, mostly men. She said they would go into that break room, and she said, I... I'd, I'd tell them at times. She said, they want to sometimes sit around in that break room. They want to tell dirty jokes and stuff. She said, I walk out and I tell them, y'all need to stop talking like that stuff is wrong. And eventually they got to the place where they just stopped doing it and she could go in the break room with them. Or if they seen her coming and they were doing something wrong, they <clears throat> zip it up. Costello. Stop talking like, don't cuss. Sinners got more respect for the things of God than people sitting on a church pew. Mm. 30 years handling big truck tires off of a conveyor line, having to move them off of the conveyor, put them on the floor, roll them around, had hip problems all of her life, had an artificial hip put in 30, probably 30 years ago. Said doctors never could figure out why her hip never wore out. She had a blessed hip. She worked different shifts at times. Sometimes she worked the, the mad dog shift. They call it mad dog. That'd make you mad, I guess. 
Days one week, nights one week, morning, all kind of crazy hours. And she did it for 30 years. And I'm sure there's times she probably complained some. I'm sure there's times she didn't like it, but she always had a good attitude as far as I could tell about her job. She didn't, she thanked God that she had a job making over 20 something dollars an hour to feed her, help for her, feed her family and her children and help to, she thanked God that she had enough money to put in the bank that when Sunday rolled around, I'm writing my check. And she, I heard her tell my stepdad many times, we give to the Lord before we give to anybody else. This check is we're going to tithe and we're going to give and we ain't going to stop doing it. I saw that stuff when I was a heathen. I heard it. And you know some of that stuff came back to my mind after I got saved. And then started hitting me. That's why mama did what she did. That's why mama said what she said. Because mama was doing her best to follow the Bible. To follow God. She didn't have it all together. I'm not sitting here telling you, my mama had it all together. Yes, that's wrong. But I tell you this much some of the stories she told me, and you could sit and feel the Holy Ghost goosebumps rise up on your arm and flow through your body, and stuff she would tell me. I'm telling her, I mean, stories. And she would tell me how God would move and God would send her to talk to somebody, to give somebody a bag of groceries that was struggling that she didn't even know. And boy, you could feel the power of God. She knew how to hear the voice of God. I know that. If God told her to do something, I guarantee you, and she heard God, she would do it whether it made sense or not. She would do it. She had that much faith. And then we got Christians sitting in the church that know the message of the cross. She didn't know it, but she knew the voice of God. And you got Christians who know the message that won't move. They won't put their faith into action. They think the message of the cross is just, oh, I've got this revelation and knowledge now. I don't do anything. No, you put your doing with your faith, and then it makes you what God wants you to be. He said, I'm about finished. He didn't say that, but I did. (laughs) Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does it not, what is it? Now, how many times have we heard that verse many times used in another setting? But look at what it really means. And I'm not saying it's wrong to use it in other settings, but what does it really mean? If you know to follow God's will and you don't, It's sin. Look, and it ain't against your family, your friends, your people. It's against God. It's God's, against God's direction for your life. Jesus, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 9. There were some who told him, said, Lord, we'll follow you wherever you go. And when he confronted them, they began to make excuses. He said, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he looked at him, he said, come and follow me. And then one says, well, okay, but hold on. You know, my father's aging and my family's getting a little bit older, so I need to go back home and make sure that I take care of everything and just stay there and watch after the family. Because, you you know, Daddy, he could die real soon, but he's okay right now. 
Or, or, or mama may have this issue. And we, we, you know, God wants us to take care of our families first. Hmm. And Jesus said, you got other, there's other people in your family that can help with that stuff. Let the dead bury the dead. Let the spiritually dead people take care of the spiritually dead. You go and follow Jesus and preach the kingdom of God and do what God has called you to do and don't make excuses about it. Another one says, I'll follow you, but I need to go and bid farewell to my family. See the family? It's always the family. What is it with us Christians and family? We got more, we pay more allegiance to people than we do God's will because we're too attached. Can I suggest to you this morning that maybe you just need to separate just a little bit? Not, not I mean you don't love your family, but you care a little bit less about what they're all doing. And having to be with them all the time. Got to do this with them all the time. Got to go. Mama said I need to do this. Daddy said I need to do that. And I'm not talking about you kids in here. You kids, you listen to your mama and daddy. I'm talking to grown-ups. I heard Gabriel yesterday on that program talking about a, uh, uh, when a husband and a wife come together. He said, lady, when you get married to your husband, it's bye-bye, mama and daddy. It's the truth. You now have a husband. Now God has a plan for your life. God has a, a will for your life. So you have to say bye-bye to your family. You're not, your obligation is not to them any longer. Your obligation is to the family that God has now given to you. That's why God said, let the man and woman come together and let them say bye-bye to mama and daddy. Now God has joined these two together. And now he's wanting to form their life to be used of him. So in order for that to happen, they got to pull back more from mom and daddy. Got to start listening to God's voice more and less of what the parents think. Because God might be telling you and wanting you to do something that your family ain't going to agree with. Again, Whose will is going to be done? Theirs or God's? Y'all hear me preach on this a lot, don't you, about family? I've seen it too many times. I mean, I've lived it, but I've seen it. I've watched, I've watched at times how family interferes with people that God wants to use in a greater way. I see it. And because they're so glued to the family. Well, I got a bunch of memories. Well, we all got memories. When you get to heaven, there's going to be some different memories. There's going to be some eternal results. Memory, look, good memories. Well, nothing wrong with mowing over your childhood and having a good family life, thinking about things daddy did with you, things that mama did. But see, now you're grown up. You're an adult. You gotta grow up from that. It's time to move on with the Lord. You gotta step out and follow God's will. You gotta get away from the, the childish stuff and say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do?
Let me, I want you to put these verses up back here. I'm just about finishing. Deuteronomy 8, 13 through 18. In Deuteronomy 8, 13 through 18, I want you to hear this. When that, this is a promise that God gave to his children when he told them that he was taking them into the land of Canaan. Do y'all know something? We're in the land today. We're there. We're in Christ Jesus. And because of it, you know what? We're going to be blessed. God is going to bless us. He's going to give you the things you need. He's going to, he'll make you, some of you, he'll make you wealthy. I hope I'm one of them. Some of you, he's going to do some great things. Look, and when the, when the herds and the, your flocks multiply, here we go, multiply. And your silver and your gold, you know, raise on the job. Big bonus. Extra money. And all that thou hast is multiplied. Next verse. Then thine heart be lifted up. Mm. See, everybody can't handle it. And you forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt. You see, this is more about your salvation than anything else. Leaving Egypt. Leaving bondage. And out of the land of Egypt from the house of what? Bondage. Next verse. Who led thee? He led us. He brought us out through that great and terrible wilderness wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought where there was no water. Who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint. Work miracles. Next verse. Who fed thee in the wilderness with manna which your fathers knew not. They didn't know how in the world it happened, but God did it. That he might humble thee and that he might prove, there we go, test you to to do the good at thy latter end. Go forward a little bit. And thou say in your heart, my power and might of mine my ability, my education, my popularity on the job. Because it's all about me, don't you know? (laughs) Has gotten me this wealth. Here's the danger. God wants to bless his children, but everybody can't handle it. But some can Next verse, thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. Look, it is he that gives the power to what? Are you telling me that God won't bless his people? You're lying. 
Are you telling me that God don't want to make some of His people rich? You're lying. Are you telling me that God doesn't want to prosper His children? You're lying. Are you telling me that God wants everybody to live in poverty, live poor, and way below their means, and just barely trying to get by, and messed up this day? Uh-uh. God does want to bless His people, but when He blesses His people, He wants you to understand, you didn't get it on your own, praise God. He gave it to you. If you got a raise in pay, you better be glorifying the one that gave it to you, because you think your boss gave it to you, but but he didn't do it. The Lord did it. It is he that gives the power to get wealth. For what purpose? Here we go. That he may establish his covenant. You see, the wealth is tied to the covenant. Everything God does in our life is tied to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. And you know what it does? It humbles you. It doesn't make you boastful and proud and high-minded and haughty. It humbles you. When you get a raise in pay, you're like, praise the Lord. Look what the Lord just did. And I and it come right on time. When you get a big fat bonus check and your washing machine broke down a week early and you didn't know how you was going to pay for it and your bonus check is just enough to pay for a brand new washing machine and says, hey, I got to blow this money now on a washing machine. You ought to say, Lord, thank you that you gave me the money. Now I can go buy my walk. Come on, somebody. God wants to bless us. He establishes covenant which he swore to thy fathers as it is this day. So the point is, it's the Lord who gives us the power to get the things that we have. Everything I have today, I know, comes from God. There's nothing I have that I got on my own. Nothing. The blessings, some of the material blessings, and I have some of them that I never had in my life when I was growing up, after I, even before I was saved or after. There's things that God has given to me now that, that they don't lead me away from Him. They cause me to thank Him and to praise Him like that little blessing of a car that my mom and stepdad put into my hands a few years ago that I never dreamed that I'd ever own it. But they called and said, you know what? We decide we want to give you that car. We Going to give, I'm like, what in the world is going on around here? Are you, son, are you, I sat in that car when I was a kid. My sister used to sneak that car out and go ride through the town when my mama and them would be gone. She got busted one time because she loved that car so much. She wanted to parade around like it was her car. She's at the car wash, washing it. All of a sudden, my stepdad pulls up and she got busted because somebody called and said, I seen your car out in town. And she, because she loved that car. Well, guess what? She lost interest in the car as the years went on and she suggested to them give the car to him because I don't even want it I said oh thank you Jesus I get to ride around in this beautiful bird I get to oh my Lord what a blessing me and Brian haul that sucker back he liked to took us off the cliff or the mountain up in somewhere car stopped in front of us and I thought our blood, my blessing fixing to go off the cliff but the Lord handled it we got back safe. I love, I, I love that car. I don't mean it wrong. I love that car, but you know what? There's something else. I can let go of that car at any minute. Some of y'all don't believe that. I can. I can let go of that car at any My stepdad just told me, promised me, you keep as long as I'm alive, and when I'm gone, you do what you want to do with it. So I'm going to do what he asked me to do. <laughs> I don't know if I'll keep it or get rid of it. I don't know. 
But I don't have a problem getting rid of it. I don't have a problem selling it because it's worth a little chunk, but but even then, it, it ain't about the money. It ain't. It, I may keep it the rest of my life. I don't know, Michaela, she really likes it, but she can't quite upkeep a car. She can't. She got to learn how to change oil. She likes it. I'll say that. But that was a blessing. I never in a million years would have expected that. And I think about the times we would sometimes drive that to church. And hear my mama yelling at my stepdad, Slow down! I'd rather get to church late than dead! And so when they called me and said, We decided we want to give you the Trans Am. I thought, Are you joking? My sister always wanted it. Well, she says she don't want it anymore. <laughs> God said, I know that you'll use this right. I hope that's what he saw. I drove it yesterday out in town. It's been sitting too long. If you got to keep it running. got to keep gas flowing through it or it just it won't run right. But it's a blessing. And sometimes it can be used when people say, hey, where'd you get this? Oh, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Let me tell you about the times I remember my mama riding around with that cassette player blasting with Jimmy Swaggart music, speaking in other tongues and praising God and riding down the road and then the things that God did. And I remember seeing them and sitting in that car, smelling that smell of that brand new leather in that car every time I'd get in. I said, whoo, I love this car. Well, now I own it because God said, I'm going to give you the power to get it. I'm going to make the opportunity to give you a blessing that's going to be a blessing to you and your family. And if I ever get rid of it, it'll still be a blessing. It'll be a blessing to this church somewhat too. So you can't get attached. You can't get too attached to things. You got to hold loosely to the things of this earth. Because as James said, our life is like a vapor. Here one day, Gone in it. You don't know what could happen tomorrow. That's why I say I hold loosely to the car. What if I got into a financial bind somewhere down the road and I really desperately needed that money bad and my stepdad was gone and they said I can do what I want with the car and it would really benefit and help my family. Would not be a blessing? I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying, but what could it not be? God gives us blessings. He wants us to prosper, but he wants us to find his will. And follow it. And I believe today because me and my wife have chosen to follow God's will, we're blessed. I believe that with all my heart. That we have the things we have. I'm not here parading myself like I'm something great. I'm telling you that because we have followed God's will, we have things today that we never could have handled 30 years ago or 25 years ago. It would have not been possible. It would have destroyed us. But because God says you're faithful and you're following me, I'm going to give you the blessings. But hey, hey oh, by the way, when I give you this, don't forget the covenant don't forget Jesus don't forget 25 years ago when I brought you out of bondage and saved your soul don't forget it because that's greater than anything you can possess stand to your feet Miss Grace would you come we are blessed today
because we know Jesus. And I'm going to say this again to people, to people who have this, this mentality, this thinking, well, God don't want me to have nothing. You're wrong. God does want you to have something. But he wants you to have some spiritual possessions above all. Following Jesus is number one. If you're in this place this morning, you're watching through the camera, look, and you need to follow God's will. You need to find God's will, and you need to follow it to a greater degree. This is for you this morning. Maybe you've been praying, Lord, do you want me to do this? Do you not want me to do this? Today is your day. You can come, Lord. Show me, Lord. Speak to me. Lord, give me my confirmation. Show me what you want. Praise God. somebody that's been trying to find out God's will. This is for you. And you need to respond in faith today. And say, Lord, I'm seeking you. I want to know what you want for my life. And you alone. This is for you.
Lord, go out shouting and come back tonight at 530 to be here church. We hope you were blessed by the live service from Family Worship Center in Athens, Tennessee. Our weekly services are Sunday at 1030 a.m., Sunday at 530 p.m., and Wednesday evening at 630 p.m. Watch us live online at www.fwc-tn.com. You can also check us out on Facebook or YouTube. Family Worship Center is located at 250 County Road 378 in Athens, Tennessee. Send all correspondence to Family Worship Center, P.O. Box 118, Athens, Tennessee 37303. For more information, you can call the church at 423 744-0774.